Hello, welcome again, and you've reached the Book of Micah. This is part of our series I've entitled 66 Books, which takes a short overview of the 66 books of our Bible. And this time we're considering the Book of Micah, the book of the summons to judgment. Micah has been called by some over the years a shorthand version of Isaiah. For many, he is the perfect representation of the prophet of the downtrodden. Micah himself was the author, and he was someone who came from a small village and was perhaps because of this particularly concerned about the plight of poor people, particularly farmers. He condemns the greed of the rich people in the cities and defends those who were the victims of their oppression. The book opens by saying that this is the word of the Lord that came to Micah, but the verse does not mention his father's name, which was usually done when naming an author or someone in a biblical book in circumstances like this. His town is given as Moresheth, which was about 20 miles west of Jerusalem near Gath. The fact that he is identified by location rather than lineage suggests a lowly background. He makes many allusions to the work of shepherds which may indicate that like Amos he was a shepherd or a farmer. Some feel he was one of the so-called men of Hezekiah, those who together with Isaiah transcribed Solomon's Proverbs. Dating of Micah is not that difficult. Micah chapter 1 verse 1 informs the reader when he lived and spoke, namely in the days of Jotham, Ahaz and Hezekiah. Jotham we know reigned from 750 to 731 BC. Micah's opening verse says the message concerned Samaria and Jerusalem. Micah therefore is the only prophet whose ministry was directed to both kingdoms. He predicted the fall of Samaria in Micah chapter 1 verse 6 which means much of his ministry took place before the Assyrian captivity which was in 722 BC. His strong condemnation of idolatry and immorality also suggests that his ministry must have preceded the sweeping religious reforms of Hezekiah. Therefore, it seems the major part of his ministry was probably between 735 and 710 BC. He was a contemporary of Hosea in the north and Isaiah in the south. Isaiah probably prophesied 17 or 18 years before Micah did. Isaiah ministered in the court Micah ministered to the common man and woman. The moral conditions during Micah's time were corrupt and no class of people were exempt from it. All people became victims of social disorder and moral decay, yet many clung to religious ordinances and forms in order to try and win the approval of God. Micah exposes the futility of such practices. In chapter 6, he addresses specifically the northern kingdom as if it is still capable of escaping divine judgment and doing so through a last-minute repentance. Jeremiah 26 verses 18 and 19 indicates that Micah's warnings were taken seriously and made an important contribution to the revival which took place during that time. But ultimately, in the end of the days, they did not listen and apply or take heed in the long term, and Samaria eventually fell in 722 BC. 
The 8th century BC brought about some remarkable developments in the political and the social life of Palestine, both in the northern kingdom Israel and in the southern kingdom of Judah. Agriculture and commerce thrived, but those who gained the most from this flourishing of economic activity were in fact the merchants and the officials and the upper class city people in general. They are the ones who really became wealthy, largely by exploiting the poor farmers, and with their wealth came more and more social and political power. Corruption in the law courts made it easy for them to do as they wished, with the result that as they rapidly increased their wealth, the poor were driven into deeper and deeper poverty. The rapid growth of wealth brought with it greed, corruption, injustice and immorality. This in turn results in the rebukes and the warnings from God's messengers, the prophets, and Micah was the last of the four prophets who addressed this issue in this period. One of the farmers' main problems came from the economic pressure put on them by people in positions of power and influence. Because of the corruption of those officials and the merchants, the farmers were forced to borrow from them and to borrow from the wealthy just to stay in business. The wealthy then lent them money at interest rates so high that the farmers found it impossible to repay their debts. The city creditors then seized the farmers' possessions as payment. Firstly they took their clothing and their household items, but when that was not enough the farmers' houses and even the land was taken by the city elite. In the end the farmers became tenants on their own land who were forced to rent their land from their new masters, which increased their burden even more. The subject of Micah's utterances were a summons to judgment on such people and such sin. The message of this book is that God judges the sins of his people, but in the end, through it all, he still desires to bless them. Micah uses the repeated phrase, hear the word of the Lord or hear what the Lord is saying. For many such phrases mark a section, a section in which there is both judgment and hope. So following an introduction in chapter 1, verse 1, there is a summons to the people in chapters 1, 2 to 2, 13. And then beginning in chapter 3, verse 5, there's a summons to the leaders. And then finally in the closing two chapters, there's what's called the summons to the mountains. So thinking about why this book was written. Well, the first purpose of Micah was to expose sin. Micah told the people that as long as their lives were characterized by such behaviors that we've described, they could never be pleasing to God, no matter how much they appeared to worship him in their religious ceremonies. Unless the people turned from their sinful practices, Judah was heading for certain judgment. Micah lived during a time of moral and spiritual decay. It was widespread and deep. The prophets and the people and the leaders and the laymen, they were all involved in this. They had an outward show of religion and thus in a sense showed a respectability if you like, which at one and the same time connected them to the seriousness and the hideousness of their sin. So one of Micah's main purposes was to expose that sin for what it was. There was an outward conformity to religious ritual, but God is seen to seek inward conformity to purity and righteousness. These verses 
contain some of the most perfect and imitated directions of what true spiritual religion should look like that we can find in the Old Testament. The second purpose of Micah was to pronounce judgment. Micah is not just a teacher, he is a prophet. He exposes sin and he pronounced judgment. He predicted the destruction of Israel, which happened as I said in 722 BC, and that of Judah, which occurred a few years later in 605 BC. But the third purpose of Micah was to still promise hope. Yet with all the sin we see and the judgment in Micah, there is always a message of hope alongside it. It seems to almost seep through the text that we will know that one day the Messiah will come, as will the Messianic Kingdom, and more importantly, mercy will come too. So to summarize this book, Micah was the prophet who summoned everyone, that is, all of Israel, both north and south, to hear God's judgment on sin, but also hear his ultimate blessing on the nation. The truth being that God will always judge the sins of his people, but he does so in the hope that he will ultimately return and bless them.